There you are. It's great to see you here this morning. I am so excited that I get to speak to you today. I have been preparing this for a while now. Pastor Lynn told me some time ago that he was going to be taking vacation, and I said, whew, finally. No, I'm kidding. Um, I, I've been looking forward to speaking to you, but I am very, uh, honestly, I'm relieved that I don't have to do this very much, because when you're not in the practice, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's work, but I've been looking forward to it. Nonetheless, I've already had a pretty good Father's Day. Uh, I feel kind of guilty about that because I know that these kinds of holidays are difficult for a lot of people. Maybe you grew up in a family where dad wasn't a nice person to be around, or maybe you grew up in a family where dad wasn't around at all. And so I feel a little bit guilty because uh, I had a great dad growing up, and I got great kids now. In fact, my daughter who lives in Texarkana, the oldest one who lives in Texarkana, who's fixing to get married in just a couple of months. She drove up last night and surprised me at the house. Sarah's sitting down here on the front row next to Cheryl. It's okay, you can give her a hand for that. It was a good move. It was, it was a good daughter move on her part. So I wish all of you had good daughters like I do. That's all I can say. For about a month now, we have been talking about the parable of the soil, or as it's more prop, uh, popularly known, the parable of the sower. But Pastor Lynn has rightly been calling it the parable of the soil because the parable is really not about the sower at all. And it's not about the seed either. It really is, this story that Jesus told, all about the soil. It's all about the dirt. Now first, okay, let's back up. Let's rewind. For those of you who are in the room who might not know, what is a parable? I shouldn't assume that everybody knows because this isn't a word that everybody hears uh, outside of the church context. You, you maybe heard the term, but it's not very common outside these walls. It's, it's kind of like uh, my wife. She keeps on her phone, she keeps a list of teenage slang because she works around, I, it's, it's okay to laugh, she works around teenagers uh, all the time for her job. She, she works as a receptionist at a school. And so, so that she has some idea of what they're talking about, she keeps this running list of terms and definitions on her phone. Words like bougie. Ever, you know that one? Or dank, D-A-N-K. Or low-key. Now these are, these are terms that mean absolutely nothing outside of teenage culture. Bougie, dank, low-key, that's, that's, that means nothing. But then there are other common words that mean something entirely different than you might think. Words like dead or goat. My son says goat all the time, which is an acronym, just in case you hear some teenagers say this. Goat stands for greatest of all time. Yeah, Coach Williams knows exactly what I'm talking about. He's laughing his head off because he hears these constantly. Or slapped. Slapped, that's a new one on me. I didn't know that one. Apparently that's something good. Now, when I was a teenager, we had different slang, and maybe you did as well. Like, we used to say that a girl, if she was really good looking, we used to say she was fat. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But it's spelled P-H-A-T. Yeah, fat. But don't try that today, guys. Don't walk up to your wife. Don't go home to your wife and say, hey, girl, you're looking fat today. Because... That will get you slapped. Not in a good way. Not slapped. That'll get you slapped. So a, a, a parable, though, 
is, is just, it's just a physical story, a simple story that's used to communicate a profound or spiritual truth. And even though you may not be super familiar with the word, you've likely been hearing and watching parables your entire life. A lot of the movies that we see, a lot of the stuff that we see on TV could legitimately be considered parables as long as it has a moral behind it. One of my favorite authors growing up was Dr. Seuss. My mom bought me Dr. Seuss books and, and I loved reading them, or I guess more correctly, I loved her reading them to me as a teenager. Um, <laughs> Dr. Seuss, how many of you have read the story of the cat in the hat? Everybody knows the story of the cat in the hat. You've seen the movie. How about the Lorax? They made that one into a pretty bad movie recently. The book was better. Um, Dr. Seuss, whose real name is, is, or was, Ted Geisel, was a literary genius at taking a profound truth and wrapping it up in a simple story in what we might call a parable. One of my personal favorites was a short story that he wrote in a, in a book, and it was called, it was the story of the Sneetches. Anybody remember the Sneetches? Yes? Okay, there are a few. Thank you. Uh, the Sneetches were these big life-size birds, and some of the Sneetches had stars on their bellies, and some of the Sneetches did not. And so this story about the Sneetches going back and forth, putting stars on their bellies and taking them off just to perpetuate this elitist society that they had, not so subtly teaches children about the foolishness and the racism, the foolishness of racism and segregation. So that's a pretty powerful and serious lesson to be wrapped up in this children's story but he was genius at that now Jesus was one of the greatest storytellers of all time his stories a deep spiritual truth and sometimes sometimes strangely Jesus actually used his stories to hide a deep spiritual truth. The story, the parable of the sower, not a true story as far as we know, but the parable of the sower, as it is popularly called, what we'll call the parable of the soil, is one of those stories. It's a story that Jesus told to a huge crowd, knowing full well that most of them wouldn't get it. But thankfully for us, 12 of Jesus' closest friends were in attendance that day, guys we call the disciples, and they were bold enough to ask him what the story meant. And then three guys sometime later wrote it down, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. This simple parable, this simple story is in all three of those what we call gospels in the New Testament. Now, let's back up again, back to the beginning. This parable named for the sower isn't really about the sower. Have I said that enough? It isn't really about the sower. Okay, time out. All right. You may be thinking a sower is somebody who sews blankets or quilts or something. Uh, that's so spelled S-E-W. This is so spelled S-O-W, and it just means planting. A sower is somebody who plants stuff. Okay, you got that? Are we all clear on what a sower is? Okay, good. Time back in. The parable of the sower isn't about the sower. It's about the soil. And that's why we've been talking for the past four Sundays. This is the fourth Sunday now when we're going to talk about the various soils that are represented in this story. On the first Sunday, which was the last Sunday in May, Pastor Lynn started by talking about the first soil, which was the footpath. Is this going to work? Let's see. Maybe? 
Hey, there we go. Pastor Lynn started with the first soil, which is the footpath. Now, according to Jesus, just to retell the story real quickly, an unnamed sower goes out into his field to scatter seeds. Now, I, I imagine, I don't know about you, but when I think of a farmer, that's what we're talking about. When I think of a farmer, I imagine a guy in coveralls and a, and a big wide hat with a, a stalk of wheat hanging out of the side of his mouth. That's just the way I imagine them. You imagine them however you like. So this farmer who goes out into the field to plant his crops finds out that his tractor is broken down. And there's nothing he can do about it. He doesn't have time to repair it. So he decides that he's going to shoot way past old school. Forget old school. He's going to go ancient school. He's going to broadcast. He doesn't mind the work. He's no stranger to hard work. He's going to broadcast. Now, what is broadcasting? Broadcasting is a way of just throwing out seed and it lands where it lands, and it grows where it grows. Now, ordinarily, modern farming techniques, of course, we know that farmers, they want to get a good yield on their investment, so they'll, they'll plant very meticulously, very methodically, row by row, with a certain space and distance between all the plants, so that they can get the maximum yield out of their crop. This farmer doesn't have time to do that, so he just reaches in his bag for a big handful of seed and just throws it out. And as I said, it goes where it goes. It's a lot less efficient, but because so much of the seed will be wasted, but it's a lot faster, and time is not on his side. Now, when I was a kid, at weddings, we threw rice. Do you remember that, when people threw rice at weddings? They don't do that anymore. Uh, something about the birds. I don't know. It's bad for the birds. The birds eat it, and they don't like rice. I'm not sure. So, we don't throw rice anymore. Now we throw bird seed. Or I've been to weddings where I've seen people uh, blow bubbles, which I think is kind of cool. The most recent wedding that I went to, uh, they, everybody was given these three-foot-long sparklers. And we all had to light them at the same time, and the bride and the groom ran underneath them. And I was thinking the whole time, man, I hope she didn't use too much hairspray. I mean, that's really dangerous for somebody who got their hair did that day. But throwing rice at the, you know, the bride and groom, the couple, throwing rice is, is kind of like broad, broadcasting. Imagine that, just throwing the seed out any and everywhere. It's a way of getting seed on the ground as fast and as wide as humanly possible because for whatever reason, broad, uh, time is not on your side. Broadcasting is fast, but it's also wasteful and it's very, very imprecise. Now, Jesus was talking to a bunch of people who had to farm what they ate he was talking to an agrarian society if people didn't go out and work the fields they didn't have food so they knew exactly what he was talking about now today i think it's two percent of the world's population feeds the other 98 percent so very few of us are farmers but almost everybody in the day and time in which jesus was talking almost everybody was a farmer of some kind or another and so they knew exactly what he was talking about when he said a farmer went out to scatter seed. They pictured it exactly as I think I've described it. Have you ever spent two hours watching a movie and then when you got to the end, you thought to yourself, why did I waste those two hours of my life? What in the world just happened? I was thinking the whole time I was sitting here that had to get better at some point and it never does. I do that all the time. I like, I like movies I'm kind of drawn to the, the, uh, the indie films, the ones that are less well-known. 
And so I, I watch them when I can, and some of them are kind of jewels. They're gems, and some of them are just terrible. There's a reason why they're less well-known. Um, so sometimes that works out for me, and sometimes it doesn't. Well, this crowd that Jesus was, walk, that was talking to, he tells them this story about this farmer who went out to scatter seed, and there's no punchline. There's no moral to the story. Jesus didn't explain it for them. They came to listen to the master teacher. They came from their homes. They walked, some of them, for a long distance in the heat of the day to sit on a hillside and listen to the master teacher with no amplification tell stories. And he tells them a story about a guy who went out and scattered seed and it got eaten. And they probably sat there and thought, huh, okay, huh. Because the meaning of the story went right over their heads. And like everybody else, they just nodded like they knew what was going on. Like, they, oh, yeah, 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 Jesus, I, I understand. I, I see what, what you're getting at there. But later, when they had Jesus alone, his disciples asked him, what did you mean? Why do you keep telling these stories and not giving us a clue about what they mean? And that story of the sower, what did that mean, by the way? And it turned out that Jesus' story which, by the way, is the very first parable that's recorded in all three Gospels. It kind of lays the foundation for all the other parables he would tell. This story, the parable of the sower, is about one of the most profound questions that anyone ever asks in life, one of the most fundamental questions of human history. Why am I here? Jesus told lots of parables, but this was his first. The first one certainly recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and maybe that's because it deals with this universal human need to know our purpose. We'll get to that. But first, here's a quick review of the last three weeks. Very quick. Okay, so Jesus told this story, and in the story, the farmer broadcast the seed, and the first type of soil that the seed landed on was the path, the footpath. And birds came, and they ate the stuff up. Now, the footpath is the walking lane between the rows of crops. You guys have seen how farm land is laid out it's laid out in crops crop rows and so the footpath is the place that you walk between the crop rows you don't step on the crop rows that'll trample the seed so instead you walk between so the the first type of soil that the seed landed on was the footpath the second type of soil was rocky which in this culture probably was a thin layer of dirt on top of a thick layer of limestone that's what it's like over there i got to go to israel 15 or so years ago and it was exactly like you see it on TV. It was desert in most places. The third kind of soil was thorny soil, which just means it was full of weeds. So don't get hung up on the fact that there were thorns. It just means it was full of other stuff already. There were already other things there that choked out the seeds so that it couldn't grow. But the fourth, story, the fourth soil in the story is what Jesus majored on, and that's the fruitful soil. It was like the Goldilocks of dirt, okay? It wasn't too hard, it wasn't too shallow, it wasn't too weedy, it was just right. The Goldilocks of dirt. And that's what I get to talk about today. We know that the seed in this parable represents the Word of God because Jesus told his disciples so. When they asked him later, what does it mean? They said, he, he told them the seed represents the Word of God. So we know that. And we know that the types of soil or dirt represent different people. We know this because the disciples asked and he told them. If it weren't for them, we might assume with good reason that the seed is maybe spiritual people, believers. 
and the soil is unbelievers. And so Jesus, in our minds, would have set up this story where it's us versus them. But what, part of what I want you to see this morning is that it isn't us versus them. We're all them. We're all them. Or to put it another way, we're all dirt, okay? Every one of us falls into one of these four camps. We're all dirt. The seed is the Word of God. Now, three weeks ago, Pastor Lynn spoke about the footpath people. The footpath people are people like that path between the crop rows. They're hard and they're narrow. That's what the path is like, isn't it? Hard and narrow. These people are immovable and unresponsive to the Word of God. They don't even begin to grow. Because, as Jesus said, the evil one comes and snatches away the seed. For whatever reason, they've made up their minds, and like the old hymn says, they shall not be moved. You know that hymn? That's old school right there. Then two weeks ago, Pastor Lynn spoke about the rocky people. Now, the rocky people are those who are quick to accept God's word and equally quick to abandon it. Their motto is easy come, easy go. They have no depth to their faith, and so they are easily shaken when life gets hard which it does for everybody if you've lived more than five seconds you know this when life gets hard which it does for everybody regardless of color or creed their shallow faith withers and then last week pastor lynn spoke about the thorny people or the weedy people people who are grounded in their faith all right but they get distracted from godly living by the pursuit of other things like wealth or title. They believe the lie that we were made something for something more than living for their creator. Path people, rocky people, thorny people. This week we get to focus for just a few minutes, about 10 minutes, on fruitful people. Fruitful people. Fruitful people are those who hear the word of God and they learn to live accordingly. They learn how to be fruitful people, how to live the best life they can, a life filled with meaning and purpose, and it all boils down to three simple traps to avoid and three simple actions to take. So is everybody awake? I need you to wake up at this point because now I'm going to give you something that you need to remember. Three simple traps to avoid and three simple actions to take. The first trap that you need to avoid is a closed mind. We saw that in the people of the footpath. Let's look again at what Jesus said. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. Here's the story. A farmer went out to plant his seed. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. And if that was the end of the story, what in the world is it supposed to mean? But it wasn't because Jesus explained it to his disciples down in verse 11. He said, this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing. People with a closed mind, as I said, are a lot like footpaths. They're hard and they're narrow. Most people don't start that way, though. In Matthew 19, Jesus famously said, Let the children come to me. Don't stop them because the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are like these children. Now, children are naturally trusting. It turns out that we, we have to learn to be afraid. And over our lifetimes, we learn to fear more and more things until some people find it difficult to trust anything or anybody at all, even God. We become hard-hearted and narrow-minded just like a footpath, hard-hearted 
and narrow-minded. The second trap we need to learn to avoid is, a that's the first one, a closed mind, a shallow mind. The seed fell among rocks. It began to grow, but the plant soon withered and died for lack of moisture. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy, but since they don't have a deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. People with a shallow mind never know the blessings of deeply believing. Shallow faith in God leaves people dissatisfied and unstable. There's no root. I truly admire people of deep conviction. I really do. People of deep conviction, even if I disagree with them, because they have deep conviction. Now, of course, believing a lie can be disastrous, but having no deeply held beliefs at all is like denying that weather exists. Can you believe the weather? Yeah, me neither. I'm an atheist. Let that sink in. You'll get it in just a minute. Can you believe the weather? Yeah, me neither. I'm an atheist. But uh, that's better than my buddy. He's agnostic. He doesn't know whether there's weather or not. Okay, good. I'm just checking to make sure that you still have a pulse. Ignoring the big questions of life is like playing Russian roulette with your soul. People, it's like playing Russian roulette with your soul when you don't ask the big questions. And there's a third trap that we need to learn to avoid. There's the trap of a closed mind and a shallow mind, but also a distracted mind. That was the real issue with this third type of soil. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life, and so they never grow into maturity. People with a distracted mind never experience the peace of living on purpose. Living on purpose means knowing the answer to one of humanity's most important questions. Why am I here? It means living in the peace of knowing that your life is no accident, that you have a reason for being right here and right now. And what's more, that you have a destiny that is beyond this place and time. Now, if that sounds good to you, if you, like me, want to be somebody who lives on purpose, then it makes a lot of sense to listen to the words of Jesus. Because these words that he spoke over 2,000 years ago have had more influence on history, his words, than any other. So in the few minutes that we have left, about five, let's take a quick look, quick look at the end of Jesus' story and find out what made this last soil so good. So that's three, three traps to avoid. Here's three steps to take. Step number one, show up. Just show up. Look at how Jesus described this last soil, the people of the fruitful soil. The seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word. They hear it. They listen to it. Do you see that? Step one is just listening to God, or in other words, just showing up. So congratulations, all of you who are here. You have already taken step one. You're on your way on this journey. But that isn't the only way to hear God's voice, is it? No, it's not. So you can and should show up for one-on-one creator every day, not just on Sundays. The real question is, how do you know when God is speaking to you? How do you separate his voice from all the others? After all, in the Bible, we're told that the devil can plant ideas in our heads too. We call that temptation, right? Then God plants ideas in our heads. We call that inspiration. 
when you just talk to yourself, we call that crazy. In less than two weeks, about, was it about 10 days now? In about 10 days, 11 days, 12 days, Cheryl and I will be celebrating our 25th wedding anniversary. 25 years. That was for you. Because, like me, they can't believe that you let me live this long. After 20 years of marriage, I know my wife's voice pretty well. I mean, when, when she calls me on the phone, she doesn't even have to identify herself. I know it's her just as soon as she says, hey, hot stuff, I can tell. I know exactly who it is. Now, discerning God's voice isn't much different. It's, it's a lot like that. The longer you spend in a relationship with God, the easier it is to tell that he's speaking to you. Will you ever hear him speak audibly to you? Probably not. He's God. Why would he need to? He can go right past your brain and speak right past your ears and speak directly to your mind. So why would you need to hear him through your ear holes? Showing up to hear God is an essential step toward living on purpose, but it'll only get you part of the way. There's another step. Not only do you need to show up, you also need to know up. Yes, I made up that expression, but I think it perfectly expresses the point just showing up to hear God's voice alone is not enough we have to hear him but to live on purpose you and I also have to be willing to do what he says to do what he says that was the next point right there to live on purpose you and I have to be willing to do what he says and we find that in the verse the seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest good-hearted people who hear God's word and they cling to it they don't let it go they let it become part of their lives did you know that Burns Park has three excellent disc golf courses? It does. Yeah, they're really, really good. Um, I Until a few weeks ago, I had never played disc. Do you know what disc golf is? Raise your hand. Okay. All right, good. Most of you do. Ask your neighbor if they didn't raise your hand after, afterward. Tell, tell them what it is. Disc is like throwing a Frisbee, but fr Frisbee's a brand name, so we can't say Frisbee because the whammo company. three excellent disc golf courses and until a few weeks ago I, I had never played I was aware that disc golf existed I had seen disc golf courses I had even watched other people play disc golf but I would never played it so of course I thought it would be easy it's just throwing a disc it turns out it's a lot harder than it looks you know there's actually different kinds of discs just like golf there's drivers and there's mid-ranges and there's putters and I've been having a lot of fun with my kids going to the disc golf course about once a week my point is that until recently, I knew of the game, but I had no practical knowledge. I knew there was disc golf, knew what it looked like, but I had no firsthand experience. And now that I've played a few times, I can say with absolute confidence that I am no good at disc golf. I didn't know that before. I never would have known that if I hadn't started playing. And you will never know God's purpose for your life until you're willing to know up, to turn your head knowledge about God into a practice, into practical experience. Is God telling you to come and see? Then do that. Is God telling you to go and tell? Then do that. Can you hear God telling you to serve? Then serve. To give? Then give. To love your family? To love your enemy? Whatever God is telling you to do, do it. Because if you don't, you'll never be able to take the third and the final step toward living on purpose. And that is grow up. <laughs>
show up, know up, and grow up. Let's go back to this verse. The seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word. That was showing up. They cling to it. That was knowing up. And they patiently produce a huge harvest. That means they grew up. You can't produce. No plant can produce until it grows up. No soil can produce until the plant grows up. Patiently producing is just doing whatever God is telling you to do over and over and over and over again and trusting Him for the results. Learning to trust is perhaps the most important part because you can't force physical growth and you can't force spiritual growth either. You can cultivate the water, you can fertilize. Some of you have house plants or yards. You know what it's like to spend money and time and energy on something that just won't grow. My mother used to joke that she had two brown thumbs. All the plants in my office are fake because I can't take, I inherited that gene from her. I can't take care of them. You can cultivate and water and fertilize, but growing a crop is ultimately beyond your control. Husband, love your wife every day and trust God to preserve her just exactly the same as she was on the day you married her. Wives, respect your husband every day and trust God to make him into the man you knew he could be when you got married to him. Kids, honor your mom and dad even when they're unfair. Parents, model love all the time, especially when your kids push your buttons. There's no better time to do it. Patiently producing is doing the right thing every day and trusting God with the results. But what exactly is it that we're trying to produce? Let's be really clear. And this is why I asked Anthony to read that verse at the beginning in the video that had nothing to do with this story or maybe it has more to do with it than we might think oh I'm just gonna skip that God produces this kind of fruit in our lives this is from the book of Galatians love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control does that Sound good to you? Could you use more of those things in your life? I know I could. I could use more love. I could use more joy. How about more peace and patience? Oh, man, would I love to have. My, my children asked me yesterday, Dad, what do you want for Father's Day? Father's Day's tomorrow. What do you want? I said, I want peace. Yeah, I ain't holding my breath, though. The world desperately needs more kindness and gentleness, doesn't it? Doesn't it need more kindness and goodness right now? More than ever before. And everyone could use more faithfulness. And imagine what your life would be like. Imagine what your home would be like, what your job would be like if everybody around you, starting with you, had a little more self-control. God produces this kind of fruit in our lives when we show up, when we know up, and when we grow up, 
or patiently follow his lead day in and day out. But here's one more thing, okay? One more thing that has to be done before we can start living our lives on purpose. And I saved it for the end, but it actually belongs at the very beginning because it's something that everybody has to do. So let's go back and look at that parable one more time really, really quickly. The seed is God's word. This is Jesus explaining the parable. The seeds that fell in the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. The first thing that everybody has to do, you, me, everybody has to do in order to live life on purpose is to believe and be saved. All the other things that we learned about this morning are meaningless without that first step. What good would it do you to live a great and virtuous life and die without God? How many good deeds are good enough to earn God's favor? How much money do you think you would have to give away to buy your way into heaven? Those are ridiculous questions. Because if God grades on a point system, if he counts, then we're all doomed. As the Bible rightly says, no one is righteous. No, not one, not one of us. Thankfully, God's spiritual scales, though, were tipped 2,000 years ago when Jesus, God's son, lived a perfect life, died a perfect death for you and for me. And now we don't have to worry about earning God's favor because Jesus has already done that for us. We get to enjoy freedom from sin and a life lived on purpose because of what Jesus did and it all starts with believing will you bow your heads with me for just a moment God thank you thank you that you didn't let us wander our entire lives in the dark about what it is that you have for us you wrote it down you actually wrote a book you used people to do it but it contains the words of life for us we're all just some kind of dirt this morning. The word has gone out like a seed it has been planted, scattered among us all. I pray that it would find root. We'd be people who have shown up, are determined to put it into practice or know up so that we can patiently produce or grow up from here on out. We thank you. We thank you for taking such good care of us, not only physically right here and now, but spiritually so many years ago. You provided a way for us to be with you in heaven, and we are so grateful that you did send your son Jesus. It's in his name and through him that we are able to approach your throne of grace this morning and pray all this. Amen.